At what point in time does Tom Brady just slowly start elbowing Mark Davis out of the out of the owner's booth, right? Where it's like they're for, like sure. this all this season is going to be very much like there he is, there's Tom next to Mark, they're sharing a beer. Vegas. Oh, who's that beautiful woman in the box with him? Is that Tom Brady's new girlfriend? And then slowly by like middle of next season, it's just like, we haven't seen much of Mark Davis. I don't know what's going he on. He literally just disappears. Like no one hears awkward. from him ever again. Uh, and Tom yeah, just slowly just working him out. And all of a sudden it's just more of Tom's friends and people. And then Mark's just in the back, like eating a hot dog, trying to get a view of the team. I don't even think Tom's going to ever buy it from Mark. He's just going to slowly like Mark. He's going to like outsmart Mark and do one of those things where it's like, you know, um, what was it? The guy, you know, in the, in the, in the social network where uh, Justin Timberlake slowly is pushing dissolve his, uh, his shares, you know, yeah. Yeah. just sell them away. All of a sudden Mark's like, wait, I sold the team. Yeah, I know Mark. Yeah. Yeah. You still, yeah, right? Yeah, you're I'm most here. excited to see if Tom Brady is going to mirror Mark Davis's haircut. Yeah. And uh, we're going to start seeing him really turn into the the uh, the proper owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, yeah, with, uh, I I would be down for that. I, or at what point in time it. does Jimmy G just like text his agent like get me the out of here. I'm now I'm now Tom Brady's now my owner. You got to be kidding. Hey, I, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg, too, for Tom Brady. I mean, we all knew that he was probably going to go into uh, sports management at some point. Uh, this has obviously happened super fast. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a minority or a majority owner of the Las Vegas A's when they move yeah. there. Uh, maybe dip his pools into the Vegas Knights. Uh, try it maybe, you know, in the future, they get an NBA team there. Uh, you know, Vegas is obviously the hot spot right now for sports, uh, you know, real and estate. Tom's there. So, and he, I mean, with Tom Brady too, like you were mentioning, like that's, he's, he automatically is a great, uh, you know, voice for, you know, future investors as well. Like, oh, oh you, you want to come invest with Tom Brady? He's pretty smart business wise. So yeah, it'd be a good move. My only question is like, how does this affect him with his deal with Fox? Like, I it, no, yeah, that's a great point. Cause I thought the same thing. It feels but like I, he's just going to probably maybe say no to them. Like eventually it'll just be, you know what? We agreed to this, but I'm going to, I'm going to become a, a, you know, partial owner and I have other business ventures and uh, a thanks, but no thanks. And Greg Olson gets to keep his job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that very well could happen, but at the same time, I think with the, the weight that Tom Brady brings to something Fox would just have to, you know, not care. <laughs> like, yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, that's fine. We'll just, you know, but obviously, I mean, to your point, Tom would also just have to be wanting and willing to, to do it. And maybe he doesn't, uh, anymore, or maybe he just does it for a couple of years and says, you know, I'm fine with, uh, with my situation as a business, you know, investor and things like that. And I don't want to do, uh, analysis, but you know, we, as the fans would suffer, I've been looking forward to Tom Brady's analysis for a long time. Uh, but maybe he would just do it in a different capacity as well. He's not yeah. going to be maybe calling Vegas Raiders games, but they'll have him as a studio host to talk about, you know, X, Y, and Z or um, something like that. I don't know how that would work. But, yeah, if you're Fox, you do whatever you can to make this not be a conflict of interest. Yeah, in, exactly in the, right. Uh, in the calling of these games. Olsen, you could say, oh, you were a former player of the Panthers. Like, can you be biased or are you biased towards your former team? I mean, you could say that about a lot of teams. Obviously, it's different when your money's involved. Yeah, um, you're literally but, an owner. Yeah, yeah. You're actually, uh, you know, have a stake in it. But, well, we're excited to do this show. Uh, we pushed it to a Tuesday for good reason as well, because the NFL uh, meetings, spring meetings were being held in uh, Minnesota, and that's uh, happening uh, today as well. So the first couple days of this week, and we already have some news for some major rule changes. So we're going to start the show off with that here on the Football Lounge today. Uh, some notes as well from around the league, and then we're going to wrap things up later on in the episode with a couple lists that were really interesting. One of them being FanDuel's list of each NFL team's greatest of all time player. Yeah, going to have goats. some issues uh, with that. 
Um, but interested to see what everyone's perspective is on that, but that should be a fun discussion. And then another list, which, uh, isn't subjective. It is showing each team's most recent 1000 yard rusher. And there are some surprises in there. So kind of just something to quickly go over and show maybe how the league has changed. And, uh, you know, just some surprises, like I said in there of, wow, it's really been that long for these teams. So, you know, a lot of these teams going to multi running back backfields that's a, a major indicator there of of where the league is headed but first mark we'll go to these spring meetings yeah uh, that have happened uh the last couple of days and some big rule changes i would say uh maybe some that weren't as surprising some were surprising we'll start with the kickoff rule uh, i'm very glad this wasn't a part of the punt returns i think that'd be a disaster but for kickoffs Fair catches are now going to automatically be placed at the 25-yard line no matter where the fair catch takes place. So obviously we've had the touchback rule in effect for quite some time, and more recently it's been moved to the 25 instead of the 20. Yeah. We've had that for a few seasons now. But now the fair catch is going to be placed at the 25 as well. Obviously this is, you know, all almost all the special teams coaches across the league uh, were in vast, um, you know, uh, opposition to this rule they they don't it's going to take kickoffs even more out of the strategic element of this game uh tom pelicero reporting that the league models that they are citing for the reasons behind this say that it will likely reduce uh concussions uh and that it's going to reduce the number of kickoffs returned from 38 percent to 31 percent and i'll just kick this to you I think that's a very generous assumption of only a 7% decrease because my guess, Mark, is we're going to see maybe 15% of kickoffs in this league returned. What what say you? Yeah, I, I'm, I lean towards agreeing with you there. I mean, obviously, they have done all the data. They've watched every kickback and would be able to start, go in there and show this is one that a player would have ran it because, you know, but now they would do it. And so you're only losing this amount percentage where the probably is where they get the seven. My, my biggest thing is to me, eventually, you know, I don't love the idea that you have the coin toss and then the winner just starts with the ball in the 25 yard line. The, the There's something about the pageantry of the NFL and lining up the kick and like seeing that all the lights and the zoom out, you know, at the start of the Super Bowl, I think the kickoff will always be a part of the NFL. I truly believe that because I think there's just a visual appeal to it. And in a way, I'm gaining more and more comfort with the fact that the kickoff is now um, one of those really unique plays. When you see a great kick return, it's so electric. Now it maybe happens once or twice a game, but could really change the tide of a momentum in the game or, or a game in and of itself to where they, they are, even if it goes down to 15% of kicks return, say we get as low as that. That's really an exciting still. It, it makes the play when it actually happens even more exciting, right? And it makes it even more electric if you have a Devin Hester type of returner who's just that dangerous and that much of a weapon. So. I'm spinning this positively for myself in that way. And I also think that, again, the NFL, by doing this, buys themselves more time to allow that play to live in the game, which I think overall is just good for the visual, watching the game, the feel of the game, the representation of the game, right? I, I That's how yeah. I feel. Yeah. No, I do. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's been a part of the sport since its inception, but, you know, beyond that, it has become so ingrained in uh, starting off documentaries. On yeah, the, the look with the with the first kickoff. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Super Bowl. Also, it's, it's been just a cultural weekend, like NFL kickoff weekend. Exactly. That's what. Yeah, that's what I was going to go to. Is that it's like it's a cultural reference now. Yeah. You, we have people saying, you know, we're kicking off the annual barbecue fest down the road. Like you're literally <laughs> like that phrase no. comes from this. So it's. You know, it's something that is probably always going to have to be in effect. I wouldn't be surprised if in a decade from now, uh, the kickoff remains, but it's just done completely differently where it's still called a kickoff and it still is a kickoff in, in many respects, but it just looks so much different. Um, I agree with you. It's kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit for the NFL. Yeah. 
it doesn't bother me a whole lot, to be honest with you. I know a lot of people were really upset with it. It doesn't bother me a whole lot just because we weren't seeing kick returns very much with the with the rule of the touchback rule going to the 25 in the first place. Um, but like I kind of led with at the beginning, I think there's going to be a larger than a 7% decrease here because yeah. any coach, any team that doesn't have an electric returner, which those are few and far between at this point, they're going to say if the kick is coming at the five-yard line, in the past, you would have to return it because the odds of it bouncing into the end zone probably wasn't a risk that you were willing to take. You were going to take it and and try and return it to whatever you could. Now it's don't return that. You're at the five. You got to gain 20 yards on this quick kick return. Fair catch it. Coaches are going to plant that, you know, in the heads of all their kick returners to say, you're unless you're fielding that at like the 15 you are not going to return yeah. that that ball but but on the flip side i mean who's to say if we see we maybe we see a lot more squib kicks now in the league True. to try and say well can we just get it at the 15 and you know they're not going to they can't fair catch if you have a great kicker you know. who you believe in and special team coverage you can be just as dangerous as the team with the electric returner um right, right. And, yeah. and that to me is the only thing where if the end goal is to reduce concussions, which I'm all for, if the squib kicks become like a mass, like that's the thing now, if it becomes it'll, that, it'll I feel like down. concussions would would go higher because now you've got guys reaching for at the ground with their heads down trying to pick up a ball. The NFL and, and guys running at the full speed. So, I yeah. agree. I agree. But again, we'll have to wait and see. I'm willing. I like it because again, it kicks the can down the road. It's the great phrase for it. It was what I was you know, trying to say. I didn't have the phrase for it. You're absolutely right there. Keeps the play alive in the NFL for the time being. And yeah. again, it makes it, it connects us to college football as well. College won't get rid of it. I, I mean, college football still, um, it's that pageantry. It's the chance. It's the full on. I mean, it's such a look. It's such a thing. Yeah. Um, With the marching I, band kind of leading yeah, things it off. It really the is. It really is something that I think it's, it's important to the feel of the game. It helps you. It helps you start the game. And so um, I think the NFL can, can sell this as we are working to make the game safer, but also every time you play football, whether you're DeMar Hamlin or whoever, there's a risk. Like there is a risk anytime anyone straps it up. So um, we are reducing the risk, but the game is still the game. So I think this fits into their narrative, right? The narrative they're trying to build. So um, I, I again, it's kind of funny. You forget about these things in the calendar. I had no idea the spring meetings were going on until all of a sudden I Ian know. Rappaport is like unleashing on the stuff. And I'm like, whoa, uh, I was still so focused on schedules and everything. It's like, oh, the NFL just keeps you – here we are, the NBA Eastern Conference, Western Conference Finals, and the NFL is just dropping news left and right, left and right. Uh, kudos to them. They, they know how to keep the, the Twitterverse and the uh, sports spotlight on them. Yeah, and with off-season training activities, otherwise known as OTAs, kind of uh, kicking off as well oh, in the league, uh, we've just got you know new stuff happening. And so, yeah, this kind of took a backseat almost, and uh, it was hard to miss or easy to miss, I should say. Uh, but uh, there you go. We got some rules out of this thing. And and so these are important meetings for sure. The competition committee works all year round for this day uh, to have their votes, you know, cast. And uh, now we're seeing kind of the fruits of, of that labor. Another thing, Thursday night football, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago on the show about some of the flexing yeah. of games expanding to Monday night football, which had never been done before. Monday night football was always a static game. That wasn't going to change no matter what. They now said from week 12 on that could that could be flexed. 13 now there's 17. Four possible 13, 15, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Correct. Five possible games could get flexed. For Thursday night football now. Monday yeah. night football was week 12 on. That's Thursday right. night football, week 13 on, uh, or week 13 to 17. And so they are opening that up. That's uh, a huge point of contention throughout the league. On this one, eight teams or or owners otherwise voted against this, including the Bears and Steelers, uh, which I'm you know happy uh, that our ownerships I'm were part of, of that our, opposition. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that. Like, I know Thursday night football has been brutal, and for a ratings perspective for the league, this is a huge win. 
Uh, now, the one caveat to all of this is that they obviously can't be flexed the week before. That would be too brutal to put on teams yeah. to tell them you're moving to Thursday. It has to be a 28-day notice, and teams still cannot be flexed into Thursday night football uh, more than once in a season, and they still can't play Thursday night football more than twice. So that yeah. rule is still in place. You can't play those games more than twice in a season. Uh, but still, I mean, this is a it's a big deal, and teams, uh, you know, are gonna find out. Oh, in three weeks, now we're playing Thursday when otherwise we were playing Sunday. Yeah, I I honestly think the there's the so there's the five games. Uh, the week it's week thirteen at Seattle at Dallas. They're not flexing that. You have Dallas Cowboys, and Seattle's right. supposed to be good, right? So they're not gonna get flexed. You have Patriots Steelers, two gigantic brands the next week, both of which teams we both expect to be in that wild card hunt, especially week 14. I can't imagine that is going to get flexed. And then week 17 is Jets Browns, Aaron Rodgers, New York market. That one doesn't feel like a flex to me either late in the season. Jets Browns both battling for playoff spots, right? Yeah, so that it's leaves the, us two games. It's 15 and 16 to me. I'm like, okay, these are the ones I'd keep an eye for. It, the 14 is is week, sorry, December 14th, week 15 is Chargers at Raiders. Now, LA market, but not a huge, Chargers don't have a huge following. Raiders have a large following, but I think we both expect them to be not competitive for the playoffs this year. I think we'd both fair to say early on our thoughts are that way. So sure, sure. even if the Chargers are at this point in time nine and six, you know what I mean, or, or really a good team, or e even better, say they're twelve and and three, and they're on a historic pace, whatever it might be, I uh, I don't know. That's one I would keep my eye out for. And then week sixteen, Saints at Rams. Now, if the Rams are rolling. And the Saints are in playoff contention. I think this one is a possible keep, but it would be lower on my list of the other three keeps. For so sure. yeah. I, I think I think listen, I like that they I like that my I agree with you. I like that my owner voted against this because I think it's just too much for Thursday night football. But I like that if they agreed to flex them, they said, listen, this is gonna be still really hard to find the right game, the right teams. You still gotta predict it three weeks out. And you still can't be on Thursday more than two times. So what is that going to mean? What games are actually even going to be available for the flex? I think it's going to be a small amount of games are actually available for the flex. And I think the Thursday night schedule this year is so much better that overall, when you get to that three-week period, when you're three weeks out from Saints-Rams, you're looking at going, well, this, man, the Saints are six and, and five, and the Rams are – seven and, 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 you know, and five or four or whatever. It's like, well, the, the only other games we could do would be these two games. And, and those teams are, I, I think you're going to have a lot of that. And the network's just going to say, screw it, roll with it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. The only way I could see it is where I think this is a big thing for Jeff Bezos, where they basically put in to me, what's called the caveat. This is the caveat rule. Stafford has a torn ACL week five Rams are out. You know what I mean? Like, now, again, knock on all the wood. I don't want to be, I don't want to curse your fan, your team, and then you'd be like Mark said, you know what I mean? But that's this is for that moment. If in any of those games, for whatever reason, we know for a fact big stars are not going to be playing. If Aaron Rodgers broken collarbone, I'm not going to knock on wood on that one. Um, you know, and and he's supposed to be playing in this and he breaks his collar, we know he's gonna miss it. That's out. It's flexed. So I think it's really basically a big injury type flex is going to take that or disastrous seasons by one or more of the teams involved to be flexed. Because I think three of the games are solid and two of them that are wishy-washy, um, a, a lot of it's going to depend on what else is even available at that time to flex. Raiders owner Mark Davis was one of those that voted against it. And I don't know if you saw this, but he took a shot at the Chargers with his uh, reasoning. He said, well, just imagine the... Uh, Vegas Raiders at Los Angeles Chargers game where all of the Raiders fans get set to travel there and all three Chargers fans getting ready for that game as well. And then 
it gets flexed and none of those fans could go. So just uh, poking the bear a little bit at the rival, uh, making fun of the Chargers' lack of a fan base. So I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, nonetheless, uh, that's probably one of the games that would be on the chopping block, as you mentioned here. Another league rule, uh, and this is one that I've been waiting for for so long. Like It doesn't make sense to not allow an emergency quarterback uh, to be on the sidelines and not count against the roster cap. So, yeah. you know, real quick, just a recap, 53 man rosters, what the teams are allowed to have as their active player rosters come season. That's what they have to uh, chop it down to at the beginning of the season. And then on game days, only 48 of that 53 are allowed to be dressed and available to play. This has come uh, this has become an issue for some teams in recent years where they don't want to hold three quarterbacks and use up one of those valuable roster spots with a third quarterback who almost certainly is not going to play. But as we've seen, you know, if, if starter gets hurt, backup gets hurt. Now they have Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback. Yeah. We end up with, uh, what was his name? Kendall Hinton, I think, for the uh, Broncos. For the Broncos during a couple COVID. seasons ago, uh, having to take snaps as the quarterback. So it's just a brutal situation all around. The league now has lifted the rule and said, okay, you can have a third quarterback active on game days and it won't count against your 48 player cap. And I think that's a great idea. Basically every team's job now is to go out and find their guy who they can basically just say, you're going to be our third guy every game this, this season. And it's great news for the Nathan Petermans of the world for a lot of these undrafted rookies who are trying to make a name for themselves. It's great for the late round rookies who are drafted, who are trying to make a name for themselves, going to get the practice squad and then, you know, hopefully have that chance. They're going to get to dress every game. I think it's a great rule. Don't let it count. The quarterback is really valuable. Um, I wouldn't care if you had four quarterbacks and two of them don't count, have as many bleeping quarterbacks as you want to dress them and then limit your roster elsewhere. Uh, I mean, it's the way the world is right now. The quarterback is that important. And, and these no one games, wants to watch those meaningful games with Chris yes. McCaffrey throwing passes. And all the NFL doesn't. has to do is show as soon as a quarterback and a backup go down, you look at the ratings plummet probably too on that game. And, and oh, that yeah, alone, yeah. if your team still feels like they're a good team and they have a chance, the, the San Francisco's of the world, uh, where they're just loaded rosters and it's like, Hey, kind of anyone can give us a chance to win. Um, it's, it's the right move for most teams. As soon as you get to the backup, your, your team screwed anyways. Um, right. but when you get to that third string guy, um, you at least have someone who's capable of playing the position. It's not like in the NBA where if I lose my starting center and my backup center goes down. I can you move a power, a center. I can move yeah. a power forward to center and play a little small ball, and at least the guy understands 90% of the position. Now he's maybe two inches shorter, and he and you're going to get maybe get beat up on the block, but he can make a play. He understands the offense. He understands the defense. He knows how to, you know, he probably played center in college and in high school. In the NFL, I mean, it's literally the most specialized position there yeah. is in sports, the, the quarterback. So th this at least allows you to have someone who can go in there, call your plays, run your verbiage, and you at least looks like football, not Christian McCaffrey just having to run the Wildcat for three quarters. Uh, so this is a great rule. It is great for a lot of the Nathan Petermans of the world, um, the Trevor Simeons of the world, those type of guys who are just a low-line career backups, just 6-2, can run the offense, you know, type of guys, the Josh Johnsons of the world, who's now back apparently with yes. the Ravens. He's back, like, baby. The Josh Jobses of the world. It is great for all those guys. And um, it takes pressure off of the GMs, which at this point in time, again, every a lot of these tweak moves are made for the television product. And that's what the NFL is basically saying is we are a television product. And uh, this is this is another move for that. And so I'm comfortable with. Absolutely. Right in agreement with you on that one. Uh, final note before we get to the list, Austin Eckler to return to the Los Angeles Chargers earlier this year. We you know, heard that Eckler was 
requesting a trade. Yeah. I just didn't didn't want to. Nothing was getting worked out in terms of a long-term deal there. He's going to be 28 years old uh, next free agency uh, period. Uh, so he will be a free agent come 2024. But he signs a one-year. He's back on a one-year deal with the Chargers here for this season. Extra $2 million in incentives. And uh, and and he will uh, be on his way after that. So I thought. I mean, it's a good move. I mean, the Chargers get another year of that bridge where they can find the next guy. I mean, Isaiah Spiller was a highly touted rookie last year. Didn't get much playing time. They're, they're they usually are able to to put some good yeah. running backs into the mix. There, he's obviously a key player. But I think the Chargers get the best of both worlds here. They get uh, one more year of prime Eckler before maybe the wheels start to fall off. I mean, he's going to be turning 30 uh, pretty soon, you know, and uh, and that's usually where uh, they go on the downward trajectory of their careers. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe they also come to a long-term deal in the next year, um, and, and it buys them a little bit more negotiating time. But for the yeah. time being, he's back on a one-year deal, and it doesn't kill them cap-wise. It's a win. It's obviously a win for the Chargers. Um, and for Austin Eckler, you get another guaranteed year of employment. You're going to probably make an extra $2 million. He's the type of guy that can hit incentives. Yeah, he'll get those he's, incentives. Yeah. He's, lo he's locked on up if he stays healthy. And here's the thing. If you're Eckler, it's very similar to Lamar Jackson's situation. Basically, the team said, fine, all right. We're listening for trade offers. Go seek a trade. And it's crickets. It's crickets. And so it's a hard life lesson to learn in the NFL when you think you're desired and you learn quickly that you're not as desirable as you want. Now it's also for Eckler. Basically it also gives him a little bit more of a boost to next year when he enters free agency. Um, he has an idea a little bit more of what his own value will be, where he could go and his expectations. Now, if he has another terrific season, he will be valuable to a team. He'll get a deal, but Teams are not willing to make trades for those type of players and positions. It's just not the way the NFL is right now. Free agency, we saw with David Montgomery. You can get a deal. You can get a nice deal if you find the right suitor who's desperate and uh, likes your body of work. Uh, and he's got a great body of work. It and may he's still, young. Yeah, it may still be with the Chargers. Um, but at this point in time, the Chargers are basically like, listen, Austin, you're running back. We ain't we ain't doing anything till we have to. Fine, go look for a trade. Oh, look, no one wanted to trade for you. Here's what we'll do for you. You hit this mark, this mark based on health. We will happily pay you an extra $2 million. Great. Bada boom, bada bing. Let's go out here and win some football games. It's a, it's a, it's a huge win for the Chargers. And for Eckler, I'm glad he gets a little bit more money. Hopefully he achieves his incentives. And I, I yeah, feel for the guy, but he's a good player. And uh, hopefully he'll come into camp and be motivated to hit those incentives, those goals. And that's the way he can make more money going into next year as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Justin Herbert's the real winner too. I mean, he's, he needs a guy. He, sure. he gets his guy back. Yep. Yeah. They've got so many weapons there in uh, Los Angeles. They just need to stay healthy uh, throughout the season. And I think uh, you and I both are pretty high on them if they're able to do so. All right, let's get to this list because this is very interesting. You sent this along to me last week. It's a fun said, one. Hey, this is something I, I, I would like to talk about in the show. Uh, and I agree. It's pretty interesting, a little polarizing. There's definitely some aspects of it I disagree with. So this is FanDuel. We'll show you here on the screen. If you're watching YouTube, we'll have this up here. Uh, FanDuel created the list. It's titled Each NFL Team's goat so greatest of all time for each nfl team now mark what was your interpretation of that because i could see it going two different ways here i could see them saying this is the greatest player that this team has ever had yeah just in general or this is the best player that for this team at at his specific time in his career and what he gave this team right so like that's where I think there's a little bit of a dichotomy it's a wiggle room in, in here. And, and maybe that's where the, the disagreement will come from. Cause you just don't fully understand what the criteria was. I'm guessing they were just saying who is, who is just the all around best player to ever play for this franchise, regardless of uh, position or uh, meaningfulness to that team in, in that, in the time that they played. 
Yeah, so example, and I think the best one that speaks to that is the Tampa Bay Bucks. They have Derek Brooks, Hall of Famer, great player. But if you're saying who's the greatest player to ever play for this team, well, it's obviously Tom Brady. But Tom, they went with Derek Brooks and said, because I think so what I, what the list to me then by doing that shows that they, they're looking for more like longevity of career what they when they became i think it has to be when you think of that player yes this is you know because reggie white played for multiple teams yes the longevity of that person's career and like reggie white is the eagles go right right and that's that's where he started his career it's where he created his the 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 dominant but he was just as dominant had a nice run with green bay no that's very true and so it's one of those interests it's one it's also to me interesting so the Derek Brooks one to me was the one that like really kicked this off. Like, Oh, okay. I see what Fandle's doing here. So now let's, let's open it up for interpretation. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to ask you about a couple, just a couple here. Well, how about uh, this? Why don't we go, why don't we go through list by list and just, okay. we'll, I, I'm sure there'll be plenty that we agree with yeah. so we can just, we'll move on. Right. Yeah. So right. let's just why start like the top left start, with the, you start and I'll, and, and read them off and I'll, and I will go with it. You lead yeah, it. Yeah. Right. All right. So the Arizona Cardinals, they have Larry Fitzgerald. No argument for me. Yeah, great. Perfectly comfortable. Uh, Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan. I do have a little bit of pause there. Um, Like, for me, I'm I'm tempted to go Julio Jones in terms of, like, because I think Julio Jones is a, a bona fide Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer, yeah. And I don't know – I don't think Matt Ryan is. Matt Ryan's a Hall very good. He changed the course of the franchise more, but – Julio was the best player. I would agree that, that if you're talking about if you're talking about each, I I think I think Julio Jones deserves that slot over Matt Ryan. Yeah, uh, Baltimore. Uh, that's a tough one, but they gave Ray Lewis, and I I probably don't disagree there. Yeah, I mean Ed Reed is he certainly would maybe be the next closest. Yeah. Um, Ray though is widely considered behind Buckus or with Buckus as the two greatest linebackers, Lawrence Taylor of, of all time. So uh, I, I'm, I, you know, my thoughts on Ray, we've gone over this on this show, but even I would sit here and say Baltimore Ravens. I think the easy answer would be Ray Lewis. Yep. Uh, Buffalo bills, Bruce Smith. I yeah. I mean, 200 sack club. That's yeah. hard. To I mean, Bruce Smith's an all time great player. And and if Jim Kelly had won a super bowl, I think he'd be such a legend there. Yeah. That's, It'd be hard to not go Jim Kelly, but I'm I'm comfortable with Bruce Smith. Cam Newton for the Carolina Panthers. I Agreed. disagree with this one. You do. Okay. All right. So, I do. I, so I my do. thought is, and 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 I'll let you I'll let you go. But my my big thing is, it's like Carolina, and when you think of them having their most success as a franchise, and for the for the longest period of sustained success with the franchise, he was behind it all. He was the catalyst for it all. Uh, including the MVP season, the 15 and one, the Super Bowl run. Um, so I'm it, with a franchise that doesn't have a ton of Hall of Famers, him getting the nod, I don't think it slighted anyone. Does that make sense? No, I don't think anyone would uh, take, you know, like offense to it or anything like that. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I understand why they went this route. He's the guy that came in after several years of, uh, you know, just underwhelming performances and became an MVP, brought this team back to the Super Bowl. The only thing for me is if they had never gone to a Super Bowl, never had success before, and Cam Newton came in and turned everything around, I could understand that. But they, did they had to- been there before. And Jake DeLome took them there. He was a very capable quarterback the years he was there. Steve Smith was, you know, the classic like undrafted or not undrafted, but, you know, uh, slept underdog. on guy yeah. that came in as an underdog and totally lit it up for me, though. And and for me, it was a it was a toss between Julius Peppers and Luke Keekley. And to me, it's Luke Keekley. Like that's to me, to me, Luke, I- Luke Keekley is right there with Brian Urlacher is the greatest linebacker of this generation of the last 20 years. And I just find it like. He's in a class of probably top 10 linebackers ever to play the game. And I don't see Cam in the top 25 quarterbacks yeah. to ever play the game. And you know, so you're making why... a good argument. And I forgot about Ju- Peppers. I mean, uh, right. I, I, I mean, shame on me. 
I would tend to lean Julius Peppers over Luke Keekley. Yeah, I I could see that too. I I could absolutely see that. I'd be either one right. of those guys. Well, I think would would, uh, would yeah know, qualify. I'm comfortable with Cam, but I do think that if you were had Cam, Steve Smith, Luke Keekley, or Julius Peppers, you can make the argument. It's one of those of four, those and yeah. that's the Mount Rushmore of Carolina Panthers football in their short term as a franchise. Right, right. Uh, so the Chicago Bears are next. We have Walter Payton. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't Bears, think there's much of a disagreement. The Bears have a, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. You think how many other names you could go with, but then Walter does stand above them all. Buckus, yeah. Erlacher, Singletary, Ditka, George Hallis himself, you could just put on that list. Uh, but yeah, Walter is is the easy one and I think would be the most agreed upon for sure. Anthony Munoz for the Cincinnati Bengals. One right. of the greatest guards, to probably top two guard of all time. He's the one person on this list where his time is running out, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. His it's time is limited. <laughs> yeah, Joey B is uh, is quickly uh, overtaking yeah. that. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. No, I agree with you on that one. Maybe a couple more years, and and I would uh, absolutely say that he'll get bumped from the list. But i got to give some love to those linemen at some point. Uh, Jim Brown for the Browns. Duh. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh, R.I.P. By the way, oh man, we didn't even yeah. mention that. Um, what a legend of the game and and an advocate we of just, the sport. Should we just spend about twenty minutes talking about his police accusations and is, or should we? What do, how we want to handle this? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how we go about that. I think you we know, just, uh, yeah. that's one of those things. The internet is. I love the internet for so many reasons, and I hate the internet for so many reasons. And that that is yeah. the perfect example. A legend dies. Overall. No one lives through life perfect, right? Maybe Mr. Rogers is the only person who lives and dies with a perfect resume. Um, Jim Brown, what he did for the sport of football, what he did for the civil rights movement, the man is a legend. And if you want to start talking about, hey, everyone's got skeletons in their closet, that's fine. I understand it. Ever, no one's perfect. Um, but the day he dies in the RIP, you know, that's so much of that. The woke stuff. Jim Brown, legend dies. Also, by the way, in the headline, let's include the fact that he was accused of rape and he was, you know, it's like, ah, oh, right, like, right. Yeah. It's, it's just like, one of those things. I don't want to get involved with all that. But Jim Brown, RIP. RIP. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, Emmett Smith is their yeah, selection. I think this is another one where it's the one that makes the most sense. But I think Troy Aikman, when I think Dallas Cowboys, my brain kind of goes to Troy first. Interesting. But the problem is Troy. Staubach, to be honest. Staubach's the other one. But I think I'm just closer to, I mean, Staubach's the one who's probably had the most gripe about this. You could argue his resume and his importance. But I just, my thought goes to Troy. But I, yeah, Staubach. Hey, what about Dicka? Dicka, uh, yes. He was was pretty good uh, when he got traded, you know, during those years. I think um I think Emmett's probably the right decision, but I think Staubach and Aikman have a little bit of a gripe for sure. I think Emmett just breaking the record that at the time that he did was yeah. like it was such a, a monumental achievement uh that you kind of just had to have to give it to Emmett Smith. Yeah. The run game was such a big a part of their success. John Alway for Denver. Duh. Yeah, duh. No question. Barry Sanders for the Detroit Lions. Yeah. I think much yeah, as I love could, Megatron. Yeah, I, I could also say like Night Train Lane. Like you could probably go Night Train Lane yeah. uh, here, but Barry was so sensational and he's still, in my you know view, probably the greatest running back ever. So, yeah, I don't have too much issue with that. Green Bay, they go Aaron Rodgers on this one. Despicable. Uh disgusting. Uh where's the love for Bart Starr? History. Right? Well, I- I'll be honest. It's kind of true, though. It's kind of I true. personally, and you know this, I think history I think Packers fans would be comfortable, especially with all the recency bias, being being very comfortable with either Brett Favre or Bart Starr's name being there. Um, but I think the fact that you have Aaron's name there is just again going. I think this is it's great for the content of it. I'm sure that got a lot of the retweets and everything. Yeah. Um, but if you're asking me, you know I favor Favre over Rodgers, and as far as the greatness of the player. Um, and so I, I would I would go with Favre, but oh, Fanduel chose Rodgers. 
Yeah, I'd probably choose Rodgers uh, at the end of the day, uh, to be honest, just because he's the, I think he's the better player. But they both had underwhelming overall careers when you look at uh, the lack of success in championships. But that's standard. Uh, J- yeah. J.J. Watt is uh, the Texans selection. Good one. Pretty easy choice there. It's yeah. not going to be David Carr. That's for sure. Um, Peyton Manning for the Colts. Boom. Easy. Easy one. Fred Taylor for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I would be okay with. Uh, uh, you want Trevor Lawrence here, don't you? Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. again, his time is running out here. He'll, he'll be there. I, I would be okay with. I, that's why I would have been okay with the tackle, Tony Baselli. Like he's, mm, he just got okay. in the hall of fame. Yeah. He's a, uh, Fred Taylor's not a hall of fame running back. He's a hall of very he, good. See, you know, I, I think he should be in the hall of fame though, to be honest. I, I mean, maybe but again, such he, bad teams overall. I mean, they had, they had some good years, but first overall, ballot hall of hall of very good. But because yeah. I, I feel like this will eventually have been Trevor Lawrence. I think this is one of those moments where you could have honored alignment again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, uh, Maybe by the end of his career, Jalen Ramsey might might be considered. I mean, he just didn't last long enough. He just, yeah, didn't have that long of a career with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And but I will say, every team's goal should be for it to be a quarterback at the top of their list. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. Yeah, because yeah, if yeah. you have a quarterback at the top of your list, that means that guy won probably won a Super Bowl, if not multiple. And an MVP, if not multiple. And then you can really, like, only teams like, you know, the history of a team like the Cowboys, or like we'll get to later with the Niners, had so much success from position players while also winning Super Bowls that you don't argue too hard against the position player over the quarterback. But kind of the goal would be, as a fan base, be like, I hope that I have a quarterback at the top of this list because that means uh, we won some Super Bowls. For sure. All right. Going to the right column now for the well, Patrick Oakland Mahomes. Raiders. or Los Patrick Mahomes' last one, and I think that's Oh, fair. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. Patrick that's Mahomes fair. for the Chiefs. Tony Gonzalez uh, maybe would have had still a say even a couple years ago, but at this point, it's Mahomes. Three, you know, yeah. two Super Bowl victories, uh, the greatest stretch of winning in the in the history of their franchise. Um, yeah. Yeah, Len Dawson was probably the only other one in consideration, but it's definitely yeah. Mahomes for sure. Um, Marcus Allen. For the the Raiders, yeah, and that's an interesting one. It. It's hard to it's hard to argue with that. I'm comfortable uh, with it. Yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, if uh, you know, maybe the snake, you know, Kenny Stabler would be someone I'd put in there in contention. But Marcus sounds like was so good at running back. Kenny Stabler was good, yeah, um, and a Hall of Famer. But yeah, I just yeah. like in in terms of the importance at their particular positions, Marcus Allen probably. Takes yeah, I agree. Game interesting one and i yeah i probably can't disagree ladanian tomlinson for the chargers so i agree with this choice but again i'm an era of ladanian tomlinson is probably the greatest running back that i've ever seen their whole career with my two eyes yeah um because he started early 2000s when we started watching football and he is uh now his career is over um, I think LaDainian Thompson, I think when we did that running back list, I had him as a top five back of all time. I think you did as well. Um, the, 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 to me, uh, Kellen Winslow is the one with the real argument to maybe try to try to fight the resume with resume, put greatness of position, greatness of position, but I'm comfortable with this one. Yeah. I mean, Fouts was another one I'd throw in there that definitely if was Fouts in contention. If Fouts had had a ring or or two, yeah, I, I would. Yeah. But again, with, to me, with the quarterback, it's kind of the Matt Ryan argument. You, If a guy who's in the Hall of – now, Fouts is a Hall of Famer. But again, if Fouts had his career today, would Fouts be a Hall of Famer? Probably not. So yeah. a guy who really maybe belongs in the grand scheme of things in the Hall of very good, if they're yeah. at the top of your list, then your franchise it just goes to show, like the Chargers, like the Falcons, not historically all-time great winning franchises. Yeah, for sure. All right, the Rams goes to Aaron Donalds. Yeah, I, again, this one is tougher to swallow just because it's active and it is a historic franchise. Uh, you think of Eric Dickerson, some great players, but I think Aaron Donald, when it's all said and done and he's played his whole career with the Rams, 
is the greatest player in Rams history. He's got the most hardware. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Um, he's a beast. He's an animal. He's a freak. For me, my vote is Kurt Warner. Um, and that's because he was a part of the, not just his story, but the resurrection of the, he's the guy that created the that's greatest tough. show on turf. You know, uh, Marshall Falk is, uh, is a, you know, tough one to, to square with that too. Yeah. Um, those are both, I think because Warner played the position of quarterback and he did it well, hall of fame career started late, resurrected the Rams, My got them two Super Bowl wins. Yeah. Like, well, one win, two appearances. Or one win. I'm sorry. Yeah. And two appearances. My thing would be if it was Kurt Warner's name on this list and not Aaron Donald, I would use that would be one of my first things to be like, whoa, 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 come on, Aaron Donald. That's Aaron Donald disrespect. Yeah, I could. Like yeah, I could how many times yeah, defensive hard. player of the year now? It was four time defensive player of the year, Super Bowl yeah. champion. I mean, now he's like Aaron, the most dominant player at his Kurt position Warner, that the Rams have ever had. Kurt Warner is not a top 10 quarterback of all time. He's fringe. Right, right. Aaron Donald is a top. Is is probably a top ten defensive player of all time, let yeah. alone defensive tackle. I mean, he's top three. So sure, sure. I think he. I, that's why I feel comfortable with that Dan Marino with the with the Dolphins. That's an easy one, right? Yeah, no question, no question. Randy Moss to the Vikings, easy one. I see. I disagree with it. Oh. I for me, for me, man, and Chris I, Carter. I, I, no, no, Adrian Peterson. Uh, it, it was a tie, and I'm just going with my preference he's actually on the on the one of my shelves over there it was between jim marshall and uh fran tarkenton and i'm going fran tarkenton you do love fran i, I love fran tarkenton man scrambling fran the guy was so good i just think to myself randy moss in my opinion is the most talented wide receiver in the history of the game and randy moss when he was at his peak and played a lot of years in his prime was is a Minnesota Viking, so I'm able yeah, to yeah. I'm able to just be comfortable with that. But I'm again, that'd be another one. If it was Fran, I would feel like, oh come on, Randy, it's Randy. So that's where my gut just goes on it. But I I don't hate it. If you were to change it to Fran, I have I some bias know. there. I'm just a big yeah. Fran Tarkenton fan. Um, the next Tom three, Brady for the, yeah, Brady to the Patriots, no question. Breeze to the Saints, no question. Lawrence Taylor for the Giants, no question. Yeah, and we he, get to the Jets. The Jets. This one is hard. I, um, Darrell Revis. I, I mean, he'd be on my short list, but I guess yeah. my problem is, I'll be honest with you, I can't think of like the all-time greatest Jet. Uh, yeah, I mean, Namath is the. When I still think of Jets, I think Namath. Like the Jets I agree. Still in my head, and that might just be because it's been that long since they've won, and so the guy who had all of the publicity and was the you know Broadway Joe, um, Namath, Curtis Martin, there. and Darrell Revis are kind of the three names for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm trying to think right now, it's I'd, I'd, I'd probably be a Jets fan who's yelling at me. us. And trying to think of someone else that we're maybe missing Jets Hall of Famers, but Darrell's fit. I'm fine with it because I it does, like again. There's no yeah, one I mean, that's such a shutdown dominant corner in he, an era where yeah those are harder to come by. Certainly think that he is probably the best at his position than any other Jet at their position. So that makes sense. I get I yeah, get I it. Get but it. Joe is the one that gave them their one and still only Super Bowl win. Yeah, so it's it's hard to it's hard to uh, come off of that. Reggie White for the Eagles. I don't think there's much disagreement there, right? I mean, no, I mean Reggie White has to be on this list, and I think he does lean towards more the Eagles' career than the Packers. Um, even though his career was almost fifty fifty, you could argue with them. Um, I will say though, there are a lot of Eagles who are close. The Brian Dawkins of the world, um, the. Uh, the Donovan McNabs of the world. I think Donovan McNabb is historically underrated. Um, I, I think that guys like uh, you know, offensive linemen now, like modern, the Kelsey's, the Lane Johnson's. I mean, there's going to be guys who it's a franchise, but because again, they don't, their one Super Bowl win was with a backup quarterback. But when 
if you if you quantify the modern Eagles success, say the Eagles win a Super Bowl this year, like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, if they're healthy and like dominant for it, those are two Hall of Fame offensive linemen who won two Super Bowls with a franchise. Like, yeah, I could start to see them really push Reggie because Reggie, not because they're better than Reggie. Reggie is one of the greatest ten players of all time, but. Reggie really his career was almost 50 50 and maybe because it's 60 40 Eagles Packers you lean towards the Eagles and you say leave it at that you move on I don't think Eagles fans are upset seeing that yeah agreed agreed uh for the Steelers they have mean Joe Green I was really interested in this one because if you would have asked me to do this list without seeing the list mean Joe probably would have been in the top four, but I don't think he would have been my number one. I think I probably, to be honest with you, would have gone Terry Bradshaw. I think Big Ben would be in that top four. And then I get to Lambert, Mean Joe Green, and some of those great defensive players of the Steel Curtain. But like Bradshaw to me, I mean, he won four Super Bowls. Like, and yeah, he was the quarterback yeah. of them all. And Again, now we look at Bradshaw's career and we think, well, he's not even Jay Cutler numbers-wise. But in the era he did it, like Fouts in the era he did it, he was the epitome of a franchise quarterback and a star. Um, I, you, you could argue, though, that Mean Joe was a part of that first draft class that changed, changed everything. everything. Yeah, and I agree. No. The, I'm the Steelers' defenses it, I, are what drove those championships, yeah. right? And so he was the yeah. leader of the unit that won four championships. Not to say that Bradshaw and company didn't perform very well in two of those games for sure, like dominated. But you know, he was the he was the quarterback of those teams in terms yeah. of uh, what what dominant streaks were led and and I had him as one of my one of the greatest defensive players of all time, you know, top yeah. 5 uh for me. No, I'm so not I had no it. issue with it. All right, good. Um, I'm just checking in. I would put Ben over Bradshaw in that running. However, He's got two because Ben got two, went to three. Ben was overall like certainly a better talent. Like I think yeah. I think if you put Ben on those teams, he would have torn it up. But I know? just also think like when you're talking about the goat for a team, that's it is an interesting thing. Where yeah, just, Bradshaw they are interesting conversations. Four. Bradshaw wouldn't think he's it. He's the goat. He would lean towards his defensive guys for sure. Yeah, that's kind or of Franco. I mean, people would say Franco, Franco Hunt. Well, and then um, you know you have modern guys like a Troy Palomalu. I mean, he exactly. was he's a Hall of Famer. So the Steelers are one of those similar to the Bears, where it's like they have better quarterbacks. But reality, they have these insane position players who are just so dominant for them in the in a historic franchises, similar to like Washington, similar to the Giants. I mean, we didn't even bat an eye. It's not Eli. It's 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 Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. these are some of these long historic franchises. The Packers are the opposite. They are the long historic franchise with three quarterbacks you'd list above any position player. So it's just that it's that kind of interesting flip-flop of of the dichotomy of it but all right i'm comfortable with that jerry and now the san francisco four nights jerry rice my immediate thought would be joe montana right yeah you would think yeah yeah but i i, I, I but i i agree with the pick actually but i i and i also agree with you like your initial thing if i was is, making this list i would montana. go joe montana and i'd feel dumb to not have jerry rice on a list of goats but this is different from the julio jones matt ryan like right, yeah. It's Joe won MVPs. Joe won Super Bowl MVPs. Joe has four. Joe was considered the overall goat quarterback until 15 years ago when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady started exploding in uh, on this league. Joe is yeah. still considered the goat over Dan Marino, who statistically passed him. So, I I would put Joe, and I would be willing to take whatever grief I get for it. Yeah, I I mean I wouldn't argue with you very much me it's uh the 49ers have a storied history but it's joe montana and jerry rice that yeah. drove the ship i mean J jerry just still to this day is light years ahead of any other receiver in terms of the hierarchy of the position so i can understand why well and to me in terms of 
he's different. It's different from the Emmett Smith debate. Emmett Smith, you can watch his career and understand how he's the all-time leading rusher. But still, I think most people, when push comes to shove, would choose at least three guys before Emmett Smith. Peyton, Sanders, Brown. All of that. Like 90, I think 90% of, of football fans, especially non-Cowboys fans, can easily say that, right? Sure. Jerry has the stats. And it's very hard to argue he's also not just the most talented, greatest receiver of all time. There are guys who physically are freaks. The Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, Randy, Randy Mosses, who I can sit there and with my eyes just go, well, I've never seen anything like them compared to Jerry Rice. But Jerry gets the nod for the longevity. Jerry and Tom are very similar. Like Jerry and Tom are hand in hand. They have all the records. They're they are more than talented enough, but we'd all argue there are people we've seen that are just more freakishly talented than them at their positions. But goat is goat, so yeah, it's tough. I it's tough. Russell Wilson is their choice for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Do you disagree? I mean, I I I'm fine with it. I, I I'm not I'm not again kind of like with the Jets. Like I don't have enough Seahawks like crazy depth of knowledge to be like no this is a this is a sham he this so-and-so got screwed when i was trying to think of people i think he's the kind of okay i'm i'm comfortable with the choice if you if a seahawks fan wants to let us know they're offended and they should be this player instead again give us the reason why i'm willing to listen yeah i could only think of steve largen as being someone that maybe you could put into that conversation him Um, and marshawn lynch and maybe maybe bobby wagner those are the three that I'd be like, okay. Yeah, yeah, you could understand it. Uh, we already talked Derek Brooks with the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers. We're g- good with that overall. Warren Moon for the Titans slash Houston Oilers. Oilers. This is a tough one because I, I thought Earl Campbell instantly. Um, But, man, Warren Moon did have, like, that yeah. underrated quarterback career longevity. Uh, kind of broke the mold in a lot of ways. Uh, So it is tough to, to come. You know, Billy White Shoes Johnson's there, too. Um, I can't really think of any defensive guys that you're like, yeah, have to be in that list. Uh, again, it's a, it's a tougher one to do. And it's the two franchises and there's such a weird divide between them both. Um, I'm I mean, com- you could think of McNair's the one I that got like, them to the super bowl. If you ask me Titans, my thought, when I think of the Titans, I don't think of the Oilers at all. Like I really yeah. don't. Yeah. So I would technically lean towards probably a Steve McNair would have been my vote if I was just doing this. Like but if you just Eddie said, Bowles. wait, what about the Oilers? Once you include Warren Moon, Earl Campbell, Steve McNair, then I'm like, all right, pick your poison, whichever one you want, I'm good with, and yeah. let's move on. You know what I mean? They probably got it right, you know, but it's uh, you know, Earl Campbell would be a very close second for me. Yeah. For Washington, Daryl Green, obviously, yeah. like he's one of the more underrated players probably ever. But when you talk about Washington, that John Riggins, like like you think of John Riggins, I think of Joe Theismann. Yeah. Um, you know they they had about a bunch of known like unknown dominant offensive linemen, right? The Hogs during that yeah. time. Um, they've had a lot of great players come through over the years, but. Daryl Green probably was the greatest at like at his position a corner, but I don't know. I mean, it's t- I I just don't think Daryl Green when I think of like Washington's greatest. Yeah, player that would again it would have been a struggle for me, and I'm comfortable with it. It's another one of those I wanted a, a Commanders fan to reach out and be like, "Here's who I would have done instead," or make the case for Daryl Green because I again I I think of it if you would have just asked me off the top of my head, Washington. Football player, greatest of all time. Riggins is the name that like comes to my head. Like I can see him running in the NFL films. Yeah, right. Carrying uh, the ball against the uh, Dolphins in that Super yeah, Bowl run. You know what I mean, like yeah, the, yeah. the crossbar face mask. Those the 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 greatest of times for that franchise. So that's probably where I would have just gone. I would have felt comfortable with it, and then someone would have brought up Joe Green. I'm like, oh yeah, well okay. You remember Chris Cooley? Oh, Chris Cooley. Yeah, tight end. He was awesome. I loved him. He, w- he wouldn't be in like the top four or five on this, no. but I was just uh, just a name that popped in my head. Sean Taylor, if he, you know, Sean Taylor uh, had a full career, probably would have been on uh, yeah. on this here. I but, don't hate you it. Know. 
Um, all right. Well, we're, we're wrapping up on time. So just quickly go over some of these things that stood out from this thousand yard rusher list. Yeah. This uh, is because this is going back to every team's uh, most recent thousand yard rusher. And a lot of these teams have had ones in the last few years, but a couple that stood out, I mean, the dolphins it's been since 2016 with Jay Ajayi, um, Mark Ingram for the saints. I mean, they've had Alvin Kamara with great years recently. He's the most recent thousand yard rusher for them in 2017. Uh, yeah. Doug Frank, Martin for the Buccaneers. Yeah. You know, Frank, 2015. Gore, Frank Gore, 2014 for the Niners. That one got yeah. me. And that, yeah, that um, one got me too, because I'm thinking the 49ers are amazing at running the ball, but they're amazing at having eight guys run the football for 400 yards each. Uh, that was an interesting one. Chris Ivory. We forget how dominant he was for that, like season and a half with the New York jets. He's the most recent one for the jets. 2015 as well so yeah. a few of these teams it's been back nearly eight years since they've yeah. had a thousand yard rusher that's a thousand wild. yard rushers are hard to come by and but then there were surprises in a good way like i forgot travis Etienne rushed for a thousand yards for the jags this year that's yeah. awesome like no wonder they had a good year like jamal okay. williams for the lions for the lions yeah like i need Jam i need travis Etienne to rush for another thousand yards this year like that needs to happen um, teams I'd be concerned about a little bit too. Like, all right, let's find our run game. Bills, 2017, LaShawn McCoy. What has struggled for them? The run game. Chiefs, 2017, Kareem Hunt. Okay, let's let's work on that run game. Let's let's build that run game. Let's let's find Patrick Mahomes his go-to. And the Chargers, Melvin Gordon, 2017. Say I've said it with Justin Herbert. Like he is becoming Josh Allen, where it's like if he's not amazing and his wide receivers aren't amazing, they just don't have anything. And we talked about with Austin Eckler, but he's a different kind of running back. He's not a thousand yard rusher running back. So um, those would be on the, on the other side of it. It's an interesting, interesting list. And then you do realize how many thousand yard rushers we had last year. Kenneth Walker, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, Miles Sanders, um, you know, Delvin Cook, Ramondre Stevenson, Saquon, ETN, uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Tony Pollard. We had a lot of thousand yard rushers last year. Tyler, Tyler Algiers on that list. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, uh, Justin Fields, um, Nick Chubb. So the, the running game is still really important. It Having is. It a is. thousand yard rusher is a, is a luxury and finding guys to me, it's not about finding the guy anymore. It's about making sure your scheme is right. Your offensive line is right. And you put your team in an ability to have a thousand yard rusher. That's something yeah, the yeah. Bills don't do. That's something the Chargers don't do. Something the Chiefs don't do. Now, have those teams been fairly successful and really successful over the past course of years? Yes, but it's because they have three of the top five quarterbacks of all time. But even then, only one of those teams has won a Super Bowl. And that's the Chiefs, and they have the greatest quarterback. So right. the run game and having an established a great run game, it's important. Baltimore's last one was L Lamar. They're a team that needs to find a thousand yard rusher. They need to go find their Ramondre Stevenson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something that popped in my head too when I was looking at this list, it came to the realization that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are really good at getting a running back that's really good for like two years. You know, <laughs> like they had Cadillac Williams. Uh, you yeah, know, Cadillac. Mike Allstott had had a, a probably a longer run. So but he was really a fullback. But and he was a fullback. Uh, Doug Martin, Legarrette Blunt. Yep. Leonard Fournette, like these guys who are good for a couple years, but then just kind of tail off and don't really pan out. It's just kind of funny. Like, like Tampa Bay just hasn't been able to get that one guy. That's like yeah. there for, cause even Houston had Arian Foster for several years, you know, yep. uh, Edger and James for the Colts. Like they've had guys that strung together several years. Uh, you know, Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones drew for the, you're Jets. right in like, modern times for the bucks, they have spurts, but they don't have a guy who's with a five or six year stretch. Well, probably I mean, the in their Bears, history, I can't think of like a, a classic buck yeah. that was a great running back either. The Bears need the Bears are really good at finding two year guys as well. I mean, it's you know, uh, Jordan True. Howard. Yeah, uh, but Matt Forte though was like a, well, Matt Forte, a, a, and know. then it was it was the kid out of uh, Michigan State he had one year, and then it was like they went right to Jordan Howard who had three years, and then they went right into uh, Montgomery who, was who that had guy? three who, years. Who was the who kid out of Michigan, Michigan State? State guy. I know. I can't think of his name now. I can't, he, oh man, because one year, was one good year, and then he fell off the map, and he wasn't in the NFL anymore. But since, I mean, the your team can do that. That's fine. I'm comfortable yeah, with yeah. that. 
And it looks like now, you know, Roshan Johnson's the next one for the Bears, you know, with uh, they're going to fill him in and he'll have a two or three year spin and they sign a new one. That's a good way to go about keeping your running back position. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. Because you're not ever committing huge money money to them. But if you do find a guy like Matt Forte, then you do want to keep him and sign him. Uh, You know, and and so, uh, yeah, the running back, that was an interesting list. It did shock me when, first off, A, how long it's been for certain teams, like Frank Gore for the Niners. Like, come on, the Niners. But then it also does shock you how many thousand-yard rushers you had last year. Yeah, yeah. It's literally both sides of the coin. It's like, wow, yeah, the the running back position has been devalued in recent years. But then at the other side, it's like, no, they're still like really good, laudable thousand yard rushers that are meaningful to their teams. Teams are just finding ways to get that thousand yards out of multiple ways. Whereas yeah. it used to be just one bell cow guy. I was, you know, the the last surprise I'll, I'll mention was the Cardinals with David Johnson, just because James Conner had 18 touchdowns two years ago. And yeah. I could have swore he rushed for a thousand yards that yeah. year. But he didn't. I mean, it's just it's interesting to see. But yeah, that's um that's kind of wrap it up. Uh yeah. For us now, here. But I yeah, mean, I'll let you I'll let you get a final word in here. But even in the Adrian Peterson, the last dominant pure uh, running back. Yeah. Because the NFL does not have that anymore. Like he would have eighteen hundred yards and like two hundred yards receiving. Now it's you have a thousand and fifty yards rushing, but you have six hundred yards receiving. Like, yeah, that's exactly. the back you want now. Like, that is the David Montgomery. That is the prototypical. McCaffrey. And- yes. I mean, McCaffrey's yeah, to, and then some. But that is the back you want now. I mean, even even Derrick Henry is valuable in the screen game. Like, he yeah, has. Oh, yeah. He's in his 2,000-yard season, he probably still had over four or 500 yards receiving. Like, you don't. If you're running backs, you're, if you're trying to give him the ball 20-plus times a game, you also need. And that running back ends the season with less than 200 yards receiving you'll look at him as not valuable yeah yeah it's i'd say the one the on one exception is probably nick chubb he doesn't do much in the receiving game yeah. but um but that's also because they've had you know kareem hunt there and he's that he's that guy for them but yeah, yeah. no they're few and far between for sure so is these are two interesting lists to look at um and you know we love lists so we had to insert something here in the football lounge for that during this off-season edition. But we had some great uh, rules, so this has been a jam-packed show. And, um, you know, looking forward to seeing what comes around next week uh, for us here to talk about. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but this is uh, the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan signing off. Until next time.